one thing I work with people so much is the science of habit change, because there is a science to it. There are so many amazing scientists that I pull from in those strategies for habit change. And when we shift something to become an automatic habit, that frees up so much energy. And 40 to 50% of what we do every day is habit. We don't think about it. We don't waste our energy on it. So if we actually use the science of habit change, just imagine where you can put that energy on the other side of it. That's so powerful to write our own definition of health. There's an old proverb that says, a man with his health has a thousand dreams. A man without his health has one. And the truth is, if we define what health means to us, something that's attainable, something that we get to experience today, no matter what disease you have. If I'm living in my definition of health today, then, oh my goodness, what where are those other 999 dreams and what am I going to do with it? Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Over Surviving podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of our autoimmune diagnoses, but ultimately how we thrive in spite of it. I'm your host, Edie Sahesian. I was diagnosed in 2015 with multiple sclerosis. I've learned a lot about MS in myself over the past few years, but the most important thing I realize is that I am going to live my best life. MS and other autoimmune diseases tend to be a bit of a bummer if we let them, so why not battle back by finding our joy? Growth, as you all know, is one of my core values. It's one word, but not such a simple understanding, in my opinion. See, growth as a concept is personal. Some want to grow their muscles or maybe their portfolio. I just want to soak up as much meaningful knowledge as I can. There's another glitch there, that word meaningful. Again, this is so personal. So I'm wondering, what is meaningful to you? How do you want to grow? Are you up for making progress? So I hear some of you saying, hold on, Edie, did you say this involves some change? (laughs) I know change can be scary and a lot of work. So let's make this growth about you. It is for you. If you want to live your best life, sometimes you have to go through some crap to get there. So we're going to talk all about growth today with my guest, a doctor of pharmacy, a functional medicine, a certified health coach, and MS warrior, Amy Thrives, by guiding others who are wanting to live a full and energized life with autoimmune disease. She here is talking about total body and mind functioning. Amy believes that energy is gained by using the synergy of conventional medicine, those principles there, backed by the science of lasting behavior change. Oops, (laughs) I said it. There's that word again, change. It'll be okay, everybody. (laughs) Amy says that when we deepen learning about ourselves and take action toward change, that's when the magic happens, people. Oh, and don't forget, it's important to have fun along the way. 
Let's chat it up with Amy Beheimer. Hi, hon. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, this is going to be such a great chat, you guys. I feel like I'm going to learn so much, and then that fills up my bucket of growth. So, Amy, we're going to start off, of course. Everybody wants to know what's going on with your body. I'm sorry. I know it's personal, but if you're willing to share, let's hear your diagnosis story. It's quite a bit going on with these autoimmune bodies, but I'm like many autoimmune warriors, and we tend to see these autoimmune diseases cluster. So if you have one, potentially you could be experiencing another one. So that's why it's so important to make sure that we are really getting to the root cause of what causes this. So my story, my first autoimmune disease came, I was 16 years old. And after a day in the sun, I noticed some very large white spots around my eyes. So let's call that my gateway autoimmune disease. I had vitiligo. So if you're not familiar with it, it's where your body attacks the skin pigment cells and actually causes some white spots. Some people know it best as the disease that Michael Jackson had. So vitiligo, next up after that came Graves' disease. So there is a strong correlation between autoimmune thyroid disease and vitiligo. So that was in my mid-20s. I noticed that one of my eyes was actually protruding which is a symptom of Graves' disease. After that, I started to live in this fear of what autoimmune disease could be next. At that time, I was living a pretty standard life in college and pharmacy school, eating things that were convenient, fast, not really thinking too much about my diet. And then I started feeling something was off. I was a runner and I would get to the end of a long run and my foot started to drop and it was getting tough to pick up that foot. So I ran through it for a couple of years. It would happen sooner and sooner. And before I knew it, it was happening pretty quickly. Like many people, I went to a couple doctors and I had a gut feeling it could be MS. And I had a orthopedist doctor say, this doesn't look like MS. I went to a neurologist. I said, this doesn't look like MS. Um, And I kept thinking, gosh, this just doesn't seem right. So I got in the scanner, an MRI scanner, as many of you know. And some lesions did show up, the large one on my cervical spine, also in my brain. And that bought me a ticket for a lumbar puncture. And with that, we did confirm that it was MS. So obviously something with my body was, something with the way I was living life wasn't agreeing with my body. And the last piece of my autoimmune story was a touch of inflammation in the GI that did look like inflammatory bowel disease. So I had this big cluster as we call it, of autoimmune disease. And I knew that something needed to change. I wasn't living a life that was different than anybody around me. But as you probably have heard people talk about before, we may be the canary in the coal mine. So we may be just people a little bit more sensitive to the modern environment, and food sources. And so we're starting to see these diseases show up quicker. So that's a bit about my diagnosis story. I went to a neurologist and within the first moment of him telling me that it was MS, I actually had some relief. Waiting and trying to find what that diagnosis is, what's wrong with you, can be a little bit overwhelming. 
I've heard it once described that sometimes waiting for the shoe to drop is worse than dealing with the dropped shoe. So I don't know if you can relate to that. A hundred percent. Oh my gosh. Yes. And so for me, I want to know what's wrong so that I can deal with it. And I'm not having all these questions because then my brain starts spinning. I have the worst short-term memory on the planet. <laughs> when I was in college, I really wanted to do some acting and I took some classes, but uh, let me tell you, I couldn't remember a single line. I don't know if you have ever had that happen before. I know in the medical world, you got to remember a lot of crap. Yes, absolutely. And you know that a lot of people, we call it cog fog, you know, that cognitive fog yeah. or brain fog or trouble retrieving things. And I remember one time I was in a parking deck that I had been to a million times and I was in the parking deck and I looked around, I thought, where am I? You know, you have those moments or I was giving a presentation to a group of nurses and same thing, a presentation I was familiar with. And it was just that moment of, oh goodness, you know, what's going on? So I definitely hear about it with autoimmune disease and MS specifically. Yeah, it's a real issue. And more and more, I can tell when it's happening. There was a time when I was talking to my boss and she's looking at me like, Hmm, that didn't quite come out right. And I looked back at her and I go, I think I'm having an MS moment because I wasn't able to verbalize what I wanted to say so clearly, but it's yeah. what we deal with. And I know you're in this medical field. Was this something that you wanted to do prior to your MS? How did that come about for you? It was. I actually remember about learning about MS in pharmacy school. So I was diagnosed at 27. So I had been a pharmacist for a few years. I had been working in the hospital with patients in the acute care setting. And I found I avoided learning about MS because I had a pit in my stomach. I learned to trust myself that something was going on. And so absolutely, it was after I already decided to become a pharmacist. But the MS and the turns I made after that diagnosis is definitely what drove me into the world of functional medicine and getting a certification in functional medicine health coaching, as well as becoming a certified practitioner with Dr. Terry Waltz to help further her mission of creating health for MS and other autoimmune warriors everywhere. I know you have a tie to Dr. Walls as well. So yeah, when I was in the hospital, my friends want to fix me and help me and love me. So my bestie, she came in and she's like, I was researching all night long and there's this book called The Walls Protocol and blah, blah, blah. And so I read that book cover to cover, even the stuff in the back and the recipes and all of that. So how did you get involved with Terry Walls? Because she's our spokesperson here. Yes. There was a TED Talk called Minding Your Mitochondria. I think that was the first thing I came across that a lot of warriors are probably familiar with. In the book, you know how much good stuff is in there. I will say I jotted down the quote that was my aha moment, if you don't mind me sharing it. Yes, I'd love that. In the book, she says, we constantly replace our cells and the molecules within our cells. The lining of your gut is replaced every two weeks. It takes about a year to replace your skin. It takes one to three years to replace the cells in your liver and your kidney. Blood vessels are continually repairing themselves. It takes seven to 10 years to replace the myelin insulation around the nerves in your brain, in your spinal cord and out to your body. It takes 15 years to replace the muscle cells in your heart. 
It takes 20 years to replace the minerals in your bones and teeth. It's happening right now inside you. Every day, your cells are replacing molecules, replacing mitochondria, growing more mitochondria, and rebuilding themselves. It may not happen quickly, or it may happen slowly, but it's happening. So when I read that, I thought, I'm 27 years old. That Those longer to replace cells were hitting at 20 years. I still have a lot of life left. So it was a bit of an aha moment that what I was doing, what I was fueling my body with would ultimately determine how I function in the future. And I love that. And I think about all of the things, right? Because the stuff that you read, it's not just about like my organs. I got to think about how my brain functions And I don't know if I'm saying all of this right, but I'm thinking about like the gut brain connection. I'm thinking about how all of that impacts your feelings and emotions and mindset is so key to where we need to be in life. And so those feelings and emotions are directly tied to all of that replenishing of the cells. Am I wrong? Oh, you're absolutely correct. We know that Negative thoughts can cause releases of hormones and biochemical changes that cause disease. So the exact opposite is true. Truly um, being able to, and that doesn't mean you sunny side up everything and negative emotions go away. It's about that balance. The way that she was writing was with such a scientific background. Mm -hmm. And so that's really what grabbed me is I was trained in a world of evidence-based trials and you get the evidence, you do the work, and you prove it, and you publish. And she has and is starting to do more and more. And it's the blend of both. And when I work with people, sometimes it's the first time that they've heard that there's a place for both, that there could be a synergy to include, yes, what these medications can do for us. And yeah, they have side effects and they can be scary. But for some people, there's a role and that's part of the solution. And so I think it's just really encouraging to know, but that doesn't mean you get to tune out the rest. The true power is when you're doing everything you can control, as well as maybe some assistance from some medications if that works for you. And that's not static. That changes over time. Yeah, it's fluid because we're changing. And I try to explain to people, we're organic beings. What I put in is what I get out. And you're telling me there's studies that show that's important for us. What we put in is what we're going to get out. So tell me, are you on the walls protocol? What does that look like for you in your daily life? I am. Thanks for that question. Cause it brings me back to, I started dabbling in 2014. So looking at that, when you look at that trajectory of the years of cells turning over, so now it's 2022. And I follow, if you're familiar with the Walls Protocol, and we can always come back and dig into these more, but I follow a level two. So it's a Walls Paleo type. Yes. Yeah. Level two looks to me at this point, very easy, not super restrictive and seems to work well for me. And so seeing that I'm now about eight years in of going all in with this, some of those promises in that of cells turning over are being realized and That's why it's just so important to get out and share my story. You know, my thyroid autoimmune disease is in complete remission and I am on no medication. So how you said it's organic, you go up and down. 
I'm able to come off that and maintain my levels. And a lot of that is contributed to gut health and things like that. My last colonoscopy as well showed no evidence of any inflammatory bowel disease. So, you know, that gut lining turning over. And I share that just to give people hope that those numbers can feel so far away, but it's coming. Whatever we do, it's coming either way. So we might as well be putting in the work so that when we get to that future time, we get to reap some of the benefits of our hard work. And it's not going to be immediate. It's not. I'm not on Wall's protocol. I should be. I've done it. Okay. I did level one when I did it and I was all into it and I did it for six months and I felt amazing. People tell me they do a whole 30 and they feel good, but it's just, it's 30 days. You got to stick with it over time because those changes you're saying, it's going to take years to get me where I'm feeling at my best. And it's a lot of hard work. You got to be very dedicated. It is. But the good news is, while some of those things take years, and I'm speaking for me and I'm speaking for people that I work with, the fatigue is typically one of the first things that we see improve. So all of a sudden, when you have a little bit more energy, some of those other things don't seem quite as scary. And also some of that brain fog, that is also something that we typically see reverse well for people. I've had people come off of stimulants after getting a few months under their belt of this and trialing it. We always, of course, work with physicians on various things, but there are some immediate benefits that I think is the key to driving the future success. And I like to be thankful for my MS in a lot of ways. How can I find ways to say thank you? And one of them is it really opened the door to me for coaching on a personal level. And I got my own coach to really help walk through that because I like to say that living with autoimmune disease is all about solving the problems that we can. So let's say we have a problem of poor GI health, not enough diverse bugs going on in the GI tract, or Mm -hmm. we have food coming in that's not fueling our health. So there are some problems that we can solve. The ones that we can't solve we're going to dissolve those. And by dissolve those, I mean, we're going to look at them and see, we're going to reframe it and see, is that really a problem? And does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That's the mindset okay, and the habit change. And that's where working with a coach really helped me is that when I let go of arguing against reality of, I shouldn't have this disease, or I should be able to run again, There's an old Hippocrates quote, the oldest physician that we have, and it says, before you help heal someone, ask them if they're willing to give up what is making them sick. Uh, And the power of that for me is, okay, the food was making me sick. The, The standard American diet that I ate growing up in college, at some point, it wasn't about the food making me sick. It was about holding on to thoughts that this shouldn't be happening to me or holding on to thoughts that I should still be able to do all the things I did before. And so that's what I mean by dissolving the ones that can't is questioning them and really seeing if we're holding on to something that we'd be better served if we let go of. Wow. I think what you just said is so big. Something that was difficult for me 
was alcohol at that time. And when I tried the walls and I did that for six months, I didn't drink. And then I started to feel good and I wanted to go and do things. And I don't think it was the alcohol part, but the social aspect of it. And I got lost in being social and tying that back to my old way of living. And I wasn't really willing to let those old things go. Right now I'm in this space where I'm wanting to make those changes, but am I willing to do it? I think that's huge. That's, yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's key. And that's where it's so powerful to get support, whatever that looks like, because we can't see inside our own brains. It's sometimes writing things, journaling things helps us get some distance from it to help. But having someone to reflect back to you and you hear what's inside your brain can be really powerful. It can be really neat. And I needed that. And it's funny you say with alcohol, you know, I do enjoy a glass of wine. I do, but it's funny. My balance is not the best, which a lot of MS warriors can probably relate to. So it's funny if the night involves walking from a place to here to there, everyone knows I'm the DD because I can't sit, enjoy a glass of wine and then make it over there and go over there. So yeah, I just had to almost re-accept what that looks like in being on or off the walls protocol. That's one of the first things that when I work with people and even myself is we're making this the Amy protocol. We're making this the ED protocol and it's what works for you. You have to do what works for you because we're all so different. It's a great place to start. And then you just experiment. You experiment with yourself and keep going. Yeah. I think that that's really important too. I mean, you need to have those certain components in there to get all the nutrients that that it tries to add to your just intake, whatever. I'm probably messing up my words here. But I think that it you need to give yourself a little grace now and then. I heard Terry say once somebody asked her, what do you do when you're like traveling and things? And she said, I do the best that I can. And sometimes what I want isn't available to me and I can tell, I can feel it in my body. But at the same time, I'm going to go home and live my daily life this way. And so if it's not available to you or you feel like, you know, you're at a wedding and you want to have the champagne toast, I say have the champagne toast. Because if we completely shut ourselves off from living a life, I had to, I felt like I was saying goodbye to my old life. And I really stopped doing a lot of things. And I haven't quite been able to find that sweet spot for me, but my mindset is there. So I keep striving for it, if that makes sense. And I think that is part of my growth journey because I have the knowledge and now I want to apply it. And I know that growth is one of your core values. Can you tell us a little bit more about what growth means for you? Absolutely. I think growth overall is getting comfortable being a little uncomfortable, being here and talking about my story, having a career in pharmacy that I love and still love, but still stepping out and continuing my education and doing something more to help others. That's growth to me. It really is 
challenging some of these mindset pieces to end up on the other side with a more of an acceptance. I love there is this concept of things that make you really happy and things that could potentially be like junk happiness. And the reason I bring it up is you mentioned the champagne toast. A good way to know whether it's junk happiness or true happiness is if you look back on it, how are you remembering it? So if you go and you have that toast for that friend for that wedding, you're going to look back and say, God, that contributed to happiness. Now, sometimes if you're over drinking, maybe because you're not you specifically, but anybody, if you know we're over drinking or overeating something that maybe we know is not good because we're avoiding some uncomfortable feelings or avoiding mm. dealing with something too hard, you look back on your, that and you're like, why did I do that? Why did mm-hmm. I do that? So that's a little trick to play. Same thing, a piece of cake, but it's your birthday and you want to look back and you know, does that feed you in a way that is productive and positive? I love that. I love having that thought process too. And a question I ask myself about so many things, Amy, is how does this serve me? How is this going to bring me joy or fulfill some purpose that I'm trying to attain in life? And if it does not, then I don't focus on that stuff. It is not going to enhance my life. Yeah. And speaking to growth, that feeling of loss, I guess this is a ray of hope for people. That feeling of loss that you are having if we're missing out on things, we're having to change and do things different that people aren't, that gets easier. We don't have to fight through that for the way I thought eight years ago. Yeah, I felt deprived. I felt like I was sacrificing something. Yes. But that's where the growth happens is the person on the other side of each of these decisions, of course, it's overwhelming if you think you're always going to be fighting it, the temptation and the desire. But one thing I work with people so much is the science of habit change, because there is a science to it. There are so many amazing scientists that I pull from in those strategies for habit change. And when we shift something from where we're consciously always having to think about it, we're spending energy to do the right thing. When we shift that to become an automatic habit, that frees up so much energy. And 40 to 50% of what we do every day is habit. We don't think about it. We don't waste our energy on it. So if we actually use the science of habit change to turn some of these things that we're struggling with into an automatic habit, just imagine where you can put that energy on the other side of it. That's what I love to work with people and myself as well. If you don't mind me sharing one more thing I have jotted down here is the Merriam-Webster dictionary defines health as the freedom from physical disease or pain, the freedom from physical disease or pain. By that definition, can I say that I'm healthy? And the answer is no. And That's so powerful to write our own definition of health. There's an old proverb that says, a man with his health has a thousand dreams. A man without his health has one. So I think you probably can relate, and a lot of listeners can probably relate, that what do we spend our time and energy on right now? Trying to get that one dream of our health so then we can go see what else we want to do. And the truth is, if we 
take the dictionary's definition, throw it out the window, define what health means to us, something that's attainable, something that we get to experience today, no matter what your situation, no matter what disease you have. If I'm living in my definition of health today, then, oh my goodness, what, where are those other 999 dreams and what am I going to do with it? So I love that practice to define it. And I can share my definition of health if, that, if you think that would be interesting. Yes, I want to hear it right now. <laughs> All right, this is what I've crafted and what feels good because it's today. So for me, Amy Beheimer, health is working to optimize my mental and physical energy to care for myself and for others. So simple as that, I get to be healthy every day. Okay. I've never thought about it like that. And it's really making me process now. What does that look like for me as an individual human? How am I going to define success there? Because some people, you know, I'm secondary progressive and I have pain constantly, but a good day for me is when X, Y, and Z happens. I'm just trying to think about the individual there because it is super personal. And Amy, you talk a lot about energy levels there to help define that health. And I know you have some kind of energy audit thing that you do. Can you share with us about that? Yes, I've probably snuck in energy a few times. If my husband's asking me to do something, let's say I'll say, ooh, that might not be worth my energy. Is it worth my energy? So how you said, is this serving me? Realizing that energy is possibly a limited resource. And as we can do things to increase our energy, we can do things that maybe counteract our energy. But I love living in that question of, is this going to help give me energy or is this energy spend worth it? So sometimes a friend or a family member needing something where you put your day on hold, you need to go take care of someone else. Ooh, that could be draining, but ooh, that was worth it. And so I really like to always assess and help other people assess where am I getting energy and where am I spending energy? And not just stopping there, but being really deliberate and being really attentive to make sure you're making those decisions and feeling good about them. Because if you are looking at it and realizing what you're choosing, it makes you feel a little bit less out of control. And control helps us feeling like we have some control of our future and of our health and of our life definitely leads to some of that true happiness. Yeah. And energy follows thoughts. So are we stewing on something? Are we wasting energy thinking about something that may not serve us? How you mentioned energy is spent on feelings. It's spent on actions. It's spent different places. The main six areas, I call it the energy wheel, the main six areas that we can look at for giving us energy or taking energy. And I like to make sure everything is backed by the science. So everything, we have more and more science proving these things, but food. So food as energy, food as medicine, all of that. Also movement is the second one. So first one is food and nutrition. Second one is movement. So that's exercise, that's any movement. Third one is energy from true relaxation. So managing stress, getting good sleep, really allowing the parts of our nervous system, the parasympathetic nervous system to be increased and to thrive, to help us truly rest. 
that's the third one. The fourth one is how are we challenging our body in a good way? I call it the good stress. You mentioned at the beginning, working your muscles. Everyone can grasp onto that one that, okay, we're going to go through some pain, but it's positive. But we can do that with our metabolism through what time we eat, different amount, different kinds of fasting. We can do that with our environment, with playing with hot and cold temperatures. We can do that by learning a new game. We can do that, stimulate our mind. We can also do that by feeling our emotions. Work that emotional muscle so that you come out good on the other side. Covered four, I'm trying to keep track. The fifth one is the mindset. So like I mentioned, are we getting energy from how we're managing our mind and practicing our positivity or are we losing energy that way? And the last one truly is connection, which is my second core value. Connection is, it's a cheat, I think, because I put so much under connection. Um, I take humor and I say, oh, I connect when I laugh with people. I take family and I put it under connection because I get to connect with family, friends, loved ones, myself, my faith, things like that. Yeah, that connection is a good kind of catch-all. And I like how you're saying that. This is the thing about that word for you. You made it personal. And that's really what I'm trying to get across here because growth, connection, whatever your core value is, you define that. You talk about what that means for you. And that's similar to some of the things that you shared with us today, because I need to find my own sweet spot. So everybody listening, I have three sticky notes full of little tidbits that Amy has shared with us today. So we know she has a very strong background in walls. She wants to connect that functional medicine piece, the traditional medicine piece, all of those things together. She's being a life coach and things. So I think she has so much to offer us. I want to invite her back, Amy, if you'll accept, to do some little 10-minute segments about some of these things so we can go a lot deeper. Because I think that myself, because I've learned so much, and the listeners would really appreciate hearing some more of your voice and talking about the lessons that you've learned on your journey. So just to recap some of those things, Amy, we're getting to the root cause, canary in the coal mine. I thought that was really interesting. Waiting for the shoe to drop is worse than sometimes the dropped shoe. Solving the problems that we can, mindset and habit change before you heal, ask, are you willing to give up what is making you sick? That is huge for me personally. Getting comfortable with being a little uncomfortable. And that is the truth, man, especially in that growth mindset. When you have that, you have to live in a little bit of uncertainty until you feel it work. So that's huge. Junk happiness versus the real happiness. Write your own definition of health. That is key, people. Writing our own definition of what healthy means is making a difference in my brain already. And I need to process that when we get off the call. The energy wheel thing I think is really key. And I had talked to, who was it? Allison, um, she is a an artist and she was talking about how she doesn't believe in that word balance 
because it's not a 50-50 thing. And you need to spend energy on the things that are important right now and figure out how you're going to spend those spoons. So the energy wheel also makes a lot of sense to me. And work your emotional muscles. And I think for some of us, that is really a very difficult and challenging thing because we don't always want to live in our emotions. And a lot of us hide those from ourselves even and other people and they get bottled up. And so what is that definition of health for you to define how you are working with your emotional muscles? Amy, oh my gosh, this is such a great information. I can't wait for you to come back. Please tell people where they can find you. Absolutely. My website, www.amybeheimercoaching.com. That's A-M-Y-B-E-H-I-M-E-R coaching.com. I also can be reached via email. That's amy at amybeheimercoaching.com. And I will be sure to include a QRC code that will also help. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for the recap. And I will be open to any ideas from the listeners of maybe a nugget that they would benefit from exploring further or, you know, do we like the science? Do we like the exercises? I'm open to feedback. And I just want to say to you, when you get that definition of health, if you're willing to share it with me, I'd love to read it and get inspired by it because you just bring joy to so many people and you have such a beautiful smile right now. I'm looking at you and to say that you're not healthy today would be not fair. So yeah, what does that look like for you? Okay, so you guys all heard her give me homework. How does the host get homework? I don't understand. (laughs) But I will do that so that next time when we chat, I will have that ready and prepared so we can talk about that a little bit more. I'm so excited. I'm counting the minutes already till our next time together. So again, thank you so much. And if you want to learn more about your core values, connect with other warriors, please head over to the website at thrivingoversurvivingpodcast.com. You're going to find there a bunch of resources and backlog of episodes and blogs and things. So everybody in the meantime, please keep thriving. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Thriving Over Surviving Podcast. If you would like to join our growing community of thrivers, there are a lot of ways to do so. Visit the website at thrivingoversurvivingpodcast.com. There you'll find links to all our social media, my blog, and lots more. See you next time when we chat it up with another autoimmune warrior on the Thriving Over Surviving Podcast. Keep thriving. Keep thriving.